Welcome to the Safety with Purpose Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us at safetywithpurpose.com. Now, here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Hi, listeners, and welcome to another Women in Safety show. In this episode, I'm speaking with Anastasia Kraft. She is the co-founder and CEO of Exana Workwear and Abby Ferry, Senior Safety Consultant. We're going to be diving into a conversation around, is there really a difference between male, female, or unisex PPE? We've been using unisex PPE for decades. So what is all this hype? that there needs to be gender-specific PPE. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to be looking at what role does PPE have on influencing our workplace safety values. Now, let's get into the discussion. So I wanted to thank you both, Anna and Abby, for coming on to the podcast today. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Very excited to chat today. I wanted to um, learn about the two of you because you've both been in health and safety for quite a while and in different ways. And I wanted to know, how did you become so passionate about your particular areas of expertise? So uh, I got into construction safety right out of school, um, right out of my master's program at school. So I knew before going into the workplace that I wanted to work in construction. And so during my master's degree program in environment, health and safety, I was able to network with a lot of people and actually get placed um, with my first job right out of school to be in construction. So I've always been passionate about safety and also passionate about construction. And back when I started, it wasn't so much of, um, I just think I, I didn't know any different about my situation that being one of the only women in my workplace and in most of the settings that I found myself in my workplace, I just didn't think much of it. And so now with social media and being able to have more of a community aspect with other safety professionals, we can talk about this kind of stuff. And so um, I got really passionate about issues impacting women in the trades and also women safety professionals as well. So kind of um, like a double passion uh, for people that are like me and also for the people that we serve on the job sites also. Yeah, Abby and I met um, last summer at the ESSP safety conference. So how did I get um, into safety? I studied international project engineering in Germany, so you can probably hear a small accent, and moved to the U.S. about five years ago. And I started working in a manufacturing environment. And you know why I loved my job? I always hated to wear my clunky safety boots that made it impossible to dress professionally. Um, I worked as a project management consultant with teams of about 20 engineers and we developed project plans together. And I loved my job. I loved working with the specialists on my team. And then after the meeting, we always had to walk out on the shop floor to check on a part or the construction project that was going on. And I was the only one who had to say, wait, guys, I have to run to my desk and put on my safety boots. Um, and that was just always so annoying. And I felt so uncomfortable wearing the boots that were not really designed for women and 
you know, after so many years of complaining and talking to other women who did not like their safety shoes, I decided to start a company that manufactures safety shoes that help women to dress professionally and feel more confident. So yeah, that's how I get got into safety. Never planned to make shoes, but kind of frustration and motivation are often so close to each other. And I decided to fix this one problem for women. Well, it's interesting. People get into safety in very different ways. I also kind of fell into it myself. Uh, now, when I started um, in safety, we had been using basically male PPE. They like to call it unisex PPE at the time to make us feel better. The thing is, is that when I checked in with, at that time, my senior level um, safety people, they were always saying to me, oh, it's okay. You know, they're just items such as boots or gloves. Meanwhile, here I am with boots that are larger by an inch or so on my feet because they, men's boots never fit properly on women. And the gloves don't even get me started on the gloves, you know. So for me, it was kind of a natural progression that we should have PPE that fits different frames. Is it about that we need PPE for different genders or does it go further than that? Um, I think it goes a little bit further in that what I've learned bringing up this whole concept of PPE for women and how it relates to sizing and like the cut and style and fit that yes, it serves an actual functional purpose because the sizes um, often are not, they, they leave a lot to be desired for many women that don't fall within like that unisex kind of range that are curvier or short or short and curvier, you know, they're way on the outside of what an average um, size is. And what I've noticed, and there's an example of a clothing company that has really cool work apparel that it's geared towards women. But what they've found is that they've got like slimmer fit um, pants, like really nice durable work pants. And a lot of younger men are wearing those pants. And so it's a desire for workwear that more closely resembles what you would wear anyway. I remember when I first started, I would wear like Carhartt jeans that the waist like comes up to here on the men's Carhartt jeans. And I just wore them because I thought if I work, I wear Carhartts, right? Like that's what you're supposed to wear. So I was just very used to compromising that my work apparel would always look different than my meeting apparel. And Anna's point about changing shoes, I would be changing my entire outfit sometimes, especially when I worked in insurance, because I go to an actual office meeting and then go out to the field and different employers that I had, they wanted me to wear business casual clothing, no jeans. And when you go to a construction site, you wear jeans. I'm sorry. So I would either just get away with it and hope that, you know, no one got mad at me for wearing jeans or I'd bring separate clothes to change into. So what I love now with things like what Anna does and everyone sent me the link to Xena workwear to your boots when they first came out because they thought Abby needs to know about this. And I already knew about it. <laughs> it was like all on the same day. So it just was a huge light bulb moment for me that um, the boots look like boots I would just wear like 
in real life. And I have a pair of Zenas and I wear them in real life and work. So um, I think like younger workers now, they're just demanding that their work apparel more closely resembles what they would wear anyway. And I love that because I just, I just used to compromise and didn't know that there was any other way. Yeah, very good points, Abby. I would like to add one thing, which is talking about unisex. It's not, after I started making shoes, I learned that the shapes of women's and men's feet are different. Women's feet are more narrow in the back and much wider in the front, um, closer to the toe area. And men's feet are have a similar width in the back and the front. So, and same thing with hands. We have different shapes and we need better clothing that fits comfortably. It's not just the size making a smaller boot. Or I often use the term shrink it and pink it. So many companies used to apply this concept and take a men's boot or a men's jacket, make it smaller and make it pink and call it women's. Yeah, this is not what professional women want to wear when when we lead a planning session or when we're on a job site. We need proper clothing that fits nicely and helps us feel more confident. And Abby, you know, that there's a safety aspect to that as well, right? Like baggy uh, baggy clothes, PPE, safety vest can can even be dangerous. That's probably something you want to chat about later. For sure, yeah. I actually wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the importance of the f- difference of form of our hands and our feet. And the reason I want to dive into this is because I think this needs to be really debunked. There is this mindset out there that Boots are boots and gloves are gloves and everybody should suck it up and just wear it. And the fact is, is that we are physiologically proportioned differently. We're trying to say that physiologically we're the same when we're not. And so I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that, if you could, because Anastasia, you've actually in your background had to be educated in this area, haven't you? Um, yeah, so <laughs> in the beginning, when we started making shoes, our even our manu- manufacturer said, hey, guys, don't you want to, it would be much cheaper if you take a men's boot that we already developed, and uh, we can change the leather type, we can change the color a bit. And I tried them on and said, this is terrible, this is uncomfortable. And then I started reading more about um, the anatomy of the differences between men and women and discovered like, Oh my goodness, I never thought about the differences um, in our feet and that it has a massive difference and we're on our feet all day. So thinking about all the um, professionals we're talking about, you could have project managers that are constantly on their feet all day long uh, (laughs) running between the office and different projects. You have safety professionals who are expecting different job sites. Um, you have engineers, women in manufacturing. There are so many professions where we spend a lot of time on our feet, constantly transitioning between an office setting and a shop floor or a job site. And we need shoes or workwear that is comfortable that we can wear for 8, 10, or 12-hour days. And even ideally <laughs> wear them put them on in the morning, go to work and even go home afterwards. Abby, I wanted you to kind of dive into 
the, the, the safety performance element of this. Because if you're wearing boots that is slightly too big for you or too small, that is going to have an impact on the person's safety. Definitely. And this is something that I didn't really think that much about until we had the Women's Workplace Safety Summit, where other people were talking about their specific experiences with wearing PPE or um, coveralls or other work apparel that did not fit them. Because me, I'm five foot eight, almost five foot nine. So I'm the size of an average man in the U.S., like average height of a man in the U.S. So, you know, a lot of the stuff, it's almost designed for me. So I'm lucky. Um, I have a lot of women colleagues that they, the biggest thing that they would talk about were um, the coveralls in the oil and gas industry, where they had to wear FR coveralls. And I'm talking about women that are um, under five or five feet tall or under five, four um, and curvy. And so to match the curviness, their supervisor would give them like a three XL coveralls because, you know, that's going to fit the bigger parts. Um, meanwhile, their sleeves are a foot long, um, longer than they should be. And their um, the pant legs are way longer. And so one psychologically and to the outside world, you look like you don't know what you're doing. You look like you're some of the comments where I look like I'm in my dad's clothes. Um, or I look like I don't know what I'm doing. And so psychologically that does something to a person and it may make them kind of navigate the workplace in a more tentative kind of way um, because they feel like they look like they don't know what they're doing and they're aware of that. Um, also, you know, the fit issues, right? Things can snag. Um, I've personally had like safety vests um, get stuck on on ladders or on scaffold components because it's a, a vest that might be, I usually go for a size large if it's a, a unisex vest, but all that gets me is maybe the length that I need, but more width than I need. So the shoulders are displacing and, and they can get caught on things which creates an unsafe condition. Um, hard hats, I learned. Um, I mean, I guess I have, my husband says I have a big head. Um, <laughs> I don't know, seems pretty average. Um, but other people have smaller heads and they ratchet down the, the hard hat as far as it goes and it's still not small enough for what they need. So, um, but the problem is, is that these people are all kind of outliers to their employer. And so the employer is just going to say, well, this is close enough and give them what's close enough instead of really um, doing what they can do as the consumer is going back to the manufacturer or the distributor and saying, this is not meeting my people's needs. You need to give me choices that is going to meet their needs and keep them safe. Um, Abby started sharing about the oil and gas industry, and maybe we can use this moment to um, share a little bit about other existing companies that make clothing for women. We started fixing one specific issue, which is safety shoes. But uh, one company that Abby mentioned, and I think you talked about um, Hot Work. They make those beautiful fitted coveralls for women in oil and gas. There is See Her Work, Safety for Her. Abby, if you know any other companies, women should know about them. Some of them are smaller and are slowly growing, but I think it will be nice to share about existing companies that started fixing problems for women. And it's so nice to see other women discovering different issues and fixing them. 
Definitely. The other company I was thinking of with um, the slimmer fit pants, and they also have overalls, just general workwear. It, the company is called Dovetails, and they have some really fun stuff. So I like that. Um, the hot work stuff, um, I first became familiar with their coveralls because they were, you know, bright and like very like not fem- feminine is the wrong word, but just kind of like, you know, like bright colors. And I thought, oh, sometimes I don't want to stand out on the work site either. <laughs> so, um, and also a lot of the stuff was on mannequins at um, trade shows. And so it didn't look like there was a lot of size um, ranges, but they actually do have a, a wide range of sizes from like extra, extra small up to larger plus curvier sizes too. And maternity, which is something that I never really thought of. Um, Even when I was pregnant and walking around job sites with a Velcro vest because I needed to expand it. Um, I, I've recently become aware within the past couple of years of companies making maternity high visibility apparel and also FR apparel. So those, um, I mean, that's like a, a really small subset of our workplace, um, but the, there's a need, right? So now manufacturers are, are meeting that need as well. So what I would like to really see here, though, is that more women of diverse shapes are being represented in the showcasing of these products. We have um, an annual fashion show at the ASSP conference each summer. And so the Women in Safety Excellence Group puts that on. And last year, I feel like it was the most um, representative and diverse group of, of models because we're all just the, the wise members that model the clothing. Like there's no actual models. So we had someone that was actually pregnant uh, model the maternity wear. Um, and we have models that are from, you know, five feet tall up to six feet tall and every you know curve range that you can think of in between. So um, that was something that I purposely, because going back to the hot work one, <laughs> just because I saw her coveralls and they were so cute. And you're right about um, the models, how it was represented as, slim people. Um, and so I purposely made sure that we had models um, that would be in like the 1X, 2X, 3X range that there were coveralls that would fit them. And there were, and they were fabulous. Um, so I, well, like you mentioned links, um, I'll make sure to give you the link for the wise fashion show. So you can see some of that in action too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was, um, that, that was the, conference where I met Abby and she uh, modeled our boots as well and I was part of the whole fashion show and discovered all those other brands it was an amazing event thank you so much for doing that um what what we we are trying to do to represent different shapes and sizes is we um we ask our customers to model the boots for us. So we have a little program that is called Dina Style and our customers can sign up for a photo shoot. So we schedule a photo shoot in so far only in Milwaukee and they can choose the location they want and we'll do a photo shoot. And so we have different ages, different heights, different shapes. So we would love to roll it out to other cities as well. But that way women, it is more you see the different shapes and sizes and because that reflects a reality, which we really love to do. 
I think more manufacturers should do that and they are completely missing the mark on leveraging social media and connections of um, fans that go the distance to actually follow a brand on Instagram or Facebook and they should be reaching out to those people much more. So your model of having um, this photo shoot experience for customers, I think is something that other, I mean, if other companies are smart, they'll try and do the same thing. Absolutely. I think maybe we should do a challenge for having people to send in their own photos of them wearing their boots. Yeah, that would be awesome. We always appreciate it. We have uh, many customers who do that already. We love seeing pictures of women wearing the boots in a manufacturing setting and a construction setting. And some of them even wear them in their free time. Like how, (laughs) when could... I don't remember the time when I said, oh, I, I want to wear my safety boots in my free time. It's finally a reality. And I'm, that makes me just very proud that women love our boots and wear them at work and in their free time. Well, and, and a lot of guys do wear their boots all the time. And that brings me back to value. And how certain clothing that we wear, it kind of brings out our own beliefs and our own values. And it got me thinking, what role does PPE play in our work environments for helping to create and drive the value of safety? I know that I was always really excited when I'd go to the grocery store on the weekend and I'd see some of the workers from my job site and they were wearing their safety glasses from work. That's how I knew that I picked the cool safety glasses that they not only would wear at work, but also would take care of them so that they were in their truck and that they had them accessible to them on the weekend. And then my hope also was that like if they were weed whacking in their yard or doing some kind of home improvement, that they'd also reach for the same glasses or other stuff. Um, I am not a safety person that, that, um, is upset when people are taking their, their PPE home like that. I feel like that's, a win. Um, And if it prevents an injury, that's awesome. (laughs) That's such a, such a great example of (laughs) seeing people wearing their safety glass in their free time. I think to implement this, I have one example of um, trying to implement um, PPE in in a workplace. It was part of my internship. And my goal was to implement a glove plan. There were almost no gloves in the facility. And in the beginning, all the guys were very hesitant. And again, you can imagine it was 99% men. They did not want to do anything with gloves. What really helped was to give them multiple options and actually ask them for their opinion. Like, okay, would you be open to trying these three different models in different manufacturers. And as soon as you involve people in the process of selecting PPE and providing the PPE they actually want to wear, you see how how this whole perspective switches and they actually say, oh, cool, I, I like these. Like, when can I get them? So that was just very interesting to observe. And I worked in many companies where PPE was... Um, safety in general was the number one priority and um, yeah I kind of just know this environment where safety is so important and PP is of course part of it. Well it kind of goes back to um, what you touched on Abby about self-confidence. 
So I, I wanted to bring out two thoughts. Um, the one was about the self-confidence one and how if people are not self-confident about what they're wearing, is that going to be really driving them to want to wear it? Oh, no way. If they don't like it, they don't want to wear it. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't think that fashion <laughs> was going to play into the workplace like this. But if they think they look stupid or, you know, with the safety glasses um, uh, example, like we know what the cool safety glasses are and we know that the big chunky goggles aren't cool. Um, so those become the loner glasses or the guest glasses. <laughs> um, but if you can spend maybe... I don't know. I remember I used to spend a dollar seventy-five per pair of safety glasses, and that's nothing. And there's some really cool safety glasses out there now that cost maybe twelve to fifteen dollars a pair, and the workers keep them for a year or more. So I'm thinking back, doing my PPE math. I used to replenish the supply of safety glasses very frequently. So a worker may take a new pair of glasses every month, adding up to that one pair that's twelve to fifteen dollars. That if you just buy that initially and it's cool and they like it and they wear it, then it's completely worth it. Maybe one point that I would like to add is, yeah, when you provide PPE that people love to wear, they will not cut corners. I know myself when I worked in this space and I sometimes I avoided going out on the shop floor. And the best way to build relationships with people is to be out there instead of sending a text or an email, you should go and be going out there. Some companies have those green lanes, lanes and as long as you stay in the green lane, you can wear your regular shoes. It's still not as safe as wearing your safety boots all day long. So yeah, when you provide PPE people want, um, you will you will see an increase in safety compliance and will have a safer work environment overall. There's a company that I have experience with that their slogan for some of their equipment was cool drives compliance. And so, you know, if you find something cool, they're more likely to comply with the program. I think that can work with a lot of stuff and not just PPE. Absolutely. You brought up the idea about perceiving yourself as a professional, that when you're in clothing that's oversized, it's hard to perceive yourself as a professional. Now, I want to take that and kind of turn that around to when you're wearing clothing that is not your size and you you look sloppy what kind of perception does that make of that worker from the other worker's point of view so going back to that hard hat example when i had women tell me that their hard hats um even if they ratchet them all the way down they're still too big so what happens is the hard hats kind of tilted and for me, being on a construction site or looking at marketing images, even on a company's LinkedIn or on their website, and I see people with their hard hats kind of sideways or askew, um, it makes it look really unprofessional. And so that's me being super judgy and not even thinking that if someone's really petite, that their hard hat may just not fit them. And it's not their fault that it's it's tilted like that. So um I apologized um, to people that were telling me about that concern because I would have judged them on a job site if their hard hat was loose like that or um, tilted to the side. And yeah, and sometimes it's not just the way other people see you. In many cases, most people probably don't care. But I think the more important piece is how 
how your clothing makes you feel and how it impacts your confidence level. Um, when I was leading teams of 10 to 20 engineers who were much older than I was and much more experienced, I had to be confident and uh, wearing my kind of my clunky boots and I see and a hiking jacket did not help me to feel confident when I had to plan a $30 million project <laughs> with a group of experienced people. So I thought, yeah, I needed, I needed and wanted to dress professionally to be ta being taken seriously and to perform well and just, um, yeah, I'm, I love how um, safety shoes, especially the safe shoes we make, help other uh, women feel more confident in any work environment. I have been in the workforce for over 30 years, and I can definitely tell you that what other people think of you does impact your career, your progression, and where you get to go. So if you're on a site and you don't look as professional as the other guys whose everything fits them, guess who gets the promotions? Guess who gets to go up the ladder? And I'm not talking about the person who goes into the office in corporate and gets to put on their fancy outfit. I'm talking about the women in the construction site that that is their day. That is where they are because this is important, right, for female progression. We have to understand that uh, we're being judged differently. And, and I have seen it through decades of the struggle that women are just getting to be now foremen. Well, wait a minute. Did I say foremen? Four persons? Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Yeah. Because right there, when you say four men, they already decided who's going to get the job. So I'll have to send you on um, this graphic that I made about uh, alternate language that we could use in construction that's more general neutral, gender neutral or um, inclusive, because a lot of um, how we talk in construction, we talk about like going home at the end of the day to your wife and kids. And, you know, some guys would come up to me after meetings and they're like, I'm single and I have a dog. <laughs> so, you know, I started to include pets. <laughs> um, when I talked about safety messaging, um, but also things like foremen, journeymen, um, and some of the really gross ways that um, on construction sites that they refer and manufacturing to that um, we just all commonly know what these words mean, but they're not really the best words to be using in a workplace. And I think times have changed or progressed where we're doing better with that. Um, but whenever I've posted on LinkedIn or other places about looking at our language that we use, I always get a lot of feedback um, a lot of it negative because they're just so used to the words that we use. Um, there's another resource that I found from, um, I think it's a city in Colorado or in California that they actually renamed a bunch of gendered terms like fireman is firefighter, uh, policeman is police officer, manhole cover is utility cover or something like that. Like, and you can imagine that people are just rolling their eyes looking at that list. Like, yeah. why can't we call a manhole a manhole? And it's like, well, you know, words do matter. And if we're just assuming that all these things are male, where does it leave the women? And I appreciate hearing that because, um, you know, one of my bosses said to me, 
when when I just had Kaylin that really I should be staying at home and looking after my son and that maybe when he was older and he didn't need me at home anymore then I could be a manager and that was very offensive because you don't say that to a man we don't say to the men hey you know what when your children grow up then you can be a manager so why are we saying it to women and and I do agree that we need to start I, I appreciate that that there is language being changed, but I also think that we have to be careful at being complacent and thinking, oh, it doesn't really matter because there's a, been a lot of struggle up to this point about getting to where we are. Um, many of the, the points you brought up are um, described in, in the book Lean In. I know so many people love it. There are some critics, but I think overall this book provides um, definitely a lot of value and an interesting pers perspective. Um, yeah, women, we're, we're not where we need to be, um, but we should be bolder and we should not be afraid to take a seat at the table when we walk in instead of sitting in that corner. Um, changing our language we we tend to apologize so much when we're in the meeting and not speak up when we have a good idea um there's so many yeah this could be a separate podcast probably talking about um kind of unconscious biases and what we can do to um to get more equality in the workplace and yes um tomorrow you're right men and women are judged differently women especially women have to walk women in manufacturing and engineering and construction have to walk this fine line between being too feminine and too masculine. When what I've discovered is when they, I've heard it from many people as well, when women wear a lot of pink, when they dress feminine, wear a lot of pink and floral patterns, they're not being taken seriously. That's just the reality. Like especially people judge each other during the first few seconds when someone walks into the room. Um, on the other side, when women try to dress too masculine and behave more like a man, they're being taken more seriously, but they're disliked. So we're at this weird point right now where we have to walk this fine line between being too feminine and too masculine. And I think in the ideal world at some point, women can wear whatever the heck they want to be themselves, express their true personality, and do the job they love. But there's there's still quite a bit of work to get there. I hear you. And when we had our, our Women's Workplace Safety Summit, we had a keynote speaker that talked about how everything we're talking about in safety related to women and safety um, is great, but that society <laughs> has its problems. And that even though it's very admirable what we're doing, um, we can't solve society's problems in our workplaces, unfortunately. And society's problems don't stop before they come into your workplace. So we have to deal with them in our workplace, but we can't necessarily solve them. But um, your point about the um, staying home with your kid. Um, okay, so I hear that conversation and I think, well, what about a properly designed maternity leave program <laughs> that, you know, it's not even a question of, oh, you should be staying home with your, with your baby. It's like, okay, yes, you have your, you know, three months off or whatever it is off. I say loosely, <laughs> you have your three months 
um, away from work to do what you need to do and then come back. So it's an example of looking at like, what are the greater society problems and how are they um, manifesting themselves at work where then we can have an impact on them. Being your authentic self is probably the most powerful thing you can do and be successful because you, you can't fake it only for a short period of time. You can only be successful if you, if you are your authentic self, if you find a passion, if you do what you love, you, there's no other way you will be successful. And people will see that. It's about also opening it up. In our society today, we have people who are transgender. We have people who are a variety of different expressions. And I think that clothing is one of the way that we choose to express ourselves, whoever we are. And so we should all equally have access to what is going to make us feel like our best self. I totally agree. And that's why I like that there's like the Xena boots and other workwear um, that allows us to actually dress how we would dress because then I don't have to be dressing. I mean, I don't dress super feminine or masculine. I'm kind of like in the middle. Um, but I know in the past when I first started working on construction sites that um, I probably could have just blended into the background and maybe could have been mistaken for a guy um, because of how I dressed. And it's not like I dress overly feminine or with tight fitting things, but I want to wear what I like. And I think it's important to normalize that on our work sites too. So that um, there isn't just like, this is what an engineer looks like. This is what a safety person looks like. It's like, no, that's what she looks like. And she happens to be an engineer or a safety person or whatever it is. Um, so I'm all about, you know, more brands coming out with stuff that we can wear to work and express personality that way. Well put, well put. Thank you. And before we close out our discussion, because we are coming to that time, I wanted to ask you if you guys could share with our listeners some of the tactics that you have found work with your teams to get people to engage in their safety practices. Um, going back to how Anna was talking about the gloves stuff <laughs> about getting people bought in with gloves and that, um, what it came down to was involving them in the process and giving them choices. What I wanted to say back then, which I'll just say it now is that that's really the, the key, um, towards engagement and getting workers involved in safety or really anything that you're trying to do at your organization is, um, if the, if the overall decision or the equipment or whatever it is is going to impact the workers, then some of those workers should definitely be involved in the decision-making process. And I, I think in the past when I was younger, um, in the field that I would do that just because I thought, oh, yeah, I have to involve the workers, of course. And then ultimately, I'm going to make the decision. <laughs> um, but not realizing that once I brought workers into the decision-making process, that they brought things to me that... I wouldn't have ever thought of. So it's important, um, even like I was back then, I was the only safety person at my company. So if people are that lone safety person, you must bring in the workers as your focus group to get them involved because not only are they going to bring um, fresh perspectives 
interesting perspectives and things you never thought of. But once the decision is arrived on what you're actually going to do, they're engaged because they've been part of the process the whole time. And that's another part of um, like the women topic to bring that back to is that when women aren't involved in these decision making processes, then uh, things like the shrink and pink stuff come up because it, you know, sorry, sometimes it's a bunch of men that are getting together thinking, oh, the women are going to love that there's a purple version and a pink version and a teal version of this safety harness or whatever it is. And they bring their product to market and it just falls flat and they wonder why. So um, there's a lot of us women out there that we would love to be part of a focus group or be asked about these things. And it's starting to happen more, but it's, kind of a lean in principle where we have to put ourselves out there and say, Hey, we're here and we'd love to give you feedback on this product before you bring something bad to market again and then wonder why. Yeah, I fully agree with Abby. I mentioned that example earlier that involvement is incredibly powerful. And uh, one other thing that keeps um, that is important is to, um, start every meeting with a safety brief. So talking about, okay, where's the nearest exit and which number to call. And then we always used to share one thing that happened maybe that day or the previous day that was dangerous and kind of that sharpens our perspective to look out for safety or for things that are dangerous and should not be repeated again. So yeah, that, um, that was my experience so far um, that helped to keep everyone focused on safety and have everyone involved in this. And what you mentioned, Abby, involving women in the process of selecting PPE is so important. Um, we thought that the best idea to reach companies is to reach the safety manager and tell them, hey, guys, like we have this amazing new product that your women will love. And in most cases, those safety managers are men. And they don't even realize that this is a problem. And they, most cases, the answer was, what women's shoes, uh, safety shoes for women, that's not even a problem. Our women have shoes, like that's not even a thing. They're fine. And so what we started doing is reaching out to women who actually wear the boots, constantly transitioning from the office to the job site. And they are the ones who get it right away. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, um, safety managers need to involve men and women in the selection process to select PPE that everyone will love to wear. And I'm totally, I know that there's many workplaces that they will not go out and um gather those perspectives they won't proactively go out and ask the women um they'll just think well no one said anything so there's no problem um and i guarantee that's the attitude of some of the people that you've run into so um once people are identifying that they have some fit concerns about the stuff that they're wearing for protection at work then it's up to that safety professional or other person in the workplace to go to those manufacturers and actually raise the concerns because what these safety people, a lot of the men, are saying that there's no problem, 
that issue is also on the higher level with the different manufacturers of PPE because they're not hearing that there's a problem because most women, um, especially if you're one of the lone women at your workplace, you're just going to make do with what you have, or they often go out and buy stuff at their own expense. And so that's the kind of stuff that like I've been trying to zero in and find and identify where people are having those problems and where they're just not saying anything about it. So trying to be their voice um, to the manufacturers to meet the need. Yeah, I think you're right. They need more voice, you know, so in any way that we can be providing that, I think that'd be really great. And do you have like if, if women are struggling at this, do you guys have somewhere people our listeners could come to for some guidance? That's a good question. Okay, that is a good <laughs> um, question. Yeah, I'm involved in the Women in Safety Excellence group with ASFP. So, um, and just me as an individual too, being involved in safety and these types of concerns. Um, I mean, I have people send me messages frequently um, on these topics. And sometimes it's men too that are reaching out to me and saying, hey, I have a group of women that work um, under me, you know, on my safety team or that are on the job site because more women are now coming into these fields. And so they'll reach out to me sometimes and find out, well, what should I, what should I do? Um, so that's fun to get those types of, of messages too. Yeah. Abby is a safety pro. Like she's, she has an answer to almost every question. Well, thank you so much. This really is all the time that we have today, but I did want to thank you both so much for, you know, carving out some time in your busy schedules to come and talk to our listeners and give back your knowledge to the community. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tamara. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Abby. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. That concludes my conversation with Anastasia Kraft and Abby Ferry. I hope that you found this episode informative. If you're looking for more information, such as the links to the resources that we were talking about during the show, or how to contact Anna or Abby, please visit us at safetywithpurpose.com backslash women in safety. And I know people are looking always for great safety resources, and we have some great webinars, Q&As, and articles at safeopedia.com. These are free resources that you can share out with your teams and your network. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for clicking the subscribe button and sharing it with others. Make sure to visit us at safetywithpurpose.com for more safety leadership and industry discussions. 